Hi everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Thanks for listening today, thanks for finding the pod. The focus of today's podcast is going to be on the first day of play of the 2023 BNP Paribas Open, which just concluded a few minutes ago. I'm taping this on Wednesday night, March 8th. 1036 on the West Coast, which is where the tournament is for once. Let's get right into the topic list. Topic one, my viewing day. So I work the teacher job, the teacher life, and as far as work times go, it skews toward early in the day. Wake up early, go to work, get done early, and starting at 4 or 5, I am available for the rest of the day. And we are not on spring break yet, so I am unable to pull the uh, full-day sessions, but I am able to catch a good bit of it. I'm going to miss the first 4 or 5 hours during the work week, this week and next week, but I should be able to check the happy hour matches and the night matches. The problem with that is, especially during the week when you have to go back to work the next day, maintaining the energy into the tennis hours, the primetime tennis hours of 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., as we know, tennis loves its late nights. Maintaining that energy with the teacher schedule can be an issue. It's a Wednesday night here. I stayed up special to do this. I've got my coffee right here. I wanted to make it a point to have as much energy as possible because people are going to be listening to this at all points in the future. That's not right now when I'm at the end of the day and at my most tired. So let's get a little coffee sip audio. Yeah, got to have energy. Teachers having energy at 10.38 p.m. is not necessarily something that we are very good at. I'm not, anyway. I'm definitely reaching up. I'm redlining my game to get the podcast done this evening. And it's one thing to do it to do it one night. It's another thing entirely to do it on night three, night four. But I'm a little fortunate in that area. Tomorrow's the last day of the work week in terms of having students. So if I can get through the next 12 hours, I should be in good shape, 12 to 18 hours. So I, uh, my viewing experience today started with the night matches. I got all my stuff done in my personal life that I needed to get done. I made it a special point to be finished and ready for the 6 p.m. Gael Monfils-Jordan Thompson match. I was excited to see Monfils. He's 36 years old now, coming off of injury, and he's had his ups and downs, which have been extensively documented by the journalists and experienced by us as the fans over the last 15 years. The old line, Gael Monfils stirs your heart, Gael Monfils makes your heart, Gael Monfils breaks your heart, and That's definitely been the story of his career. But even so, it's nice watching Monfils for what he is. 
He's a guy that you watch early in the tournament. You talk about a tournament that he had 15 years ago or five years ago in terms of his results. And you enjoy watching him because of his style. And then a couple days later, you don't have to watch him anymore and you're on to the next thing. I guess that's a really nice way of saying that Gael Monfils is a loser because he doesn't make it past the early rounds that much. But I think that's a little bit harsh. He was in the top 10 in 2009 and in 2020. And that is longevity. He maybe was not sustained there for that whole period of time, like Rafa Nadal was. Ooh, I should add that to the rundown. I haven't talked about that on the podcast. Um, but Monfils has had his moments for sure. And he has been injured. And you could tell today. I mean, Thompson, it was three all in the first set. And from that point on, Thompson just walloped him 6-3, 6-1. This would be topic two, my deep dive segment into what happened in the Monfils match. But it really just comes down to Monfils had no match fitness at all. And he hit the wall six games into the match. He was tired at three all in the first set. Plus, the normal issues that there normally are with Monfils manifested themselves. He played too much defense. He was on the run too much. He was not the aggressor in the rallies. And that's been a characteristic of his career, even when he's been having good results. It would be more constructive to take a look at this article about Monfils coming off of injury and coming off of parenthood. This is an article that appears on ATPTour.com, posted today, written by Andrew Eichenholz. I'll read a little bit of this article now. Seven months ago, Gael Monfils retired during his third-round match in Montreal against Jack Draper because of a foot injury. The Frenchman, quote, thought it was all good, unquote. However, he had suffered a plantar fascia rupture and has not competed since. The 36-year-old has been all smiles in the California desert, where he is ready to make his comeback Wednesday evening at the BNP Paribas Open against Australian Jordan Thompson. I feel great, Monfils told ATPTour.com. It's been a couple months now I'm away. At the same time, I have a couple weeks without my little princess. It's the first time... It's the first feeling like that. It's a mixed feeling, but in a positive way. Monfils's little princess is his daughter, Skye, who was born in October. This is Monfils's first tournament since he and his wife, WTA star Elena Svitolina, welcomed their daughter to the world. Quote, I was with her since day one, and now to get back on the road, it's a different experience for me. I've been great. I've been blessed. Unquote, Monfils said. So far she's healthy and myself too. I have gotten back in shape and healthy. I have only positive vibes coming here. More direct quotes from Monfils here. Quote, Perfect timing. I say always I try to see the positive and the negative, and that was almost the best thing. Talking about his injury there. I could be with my wife at the end of her pregnancy and support her, because it's never easy the last days and everything. And then, of course, at the beginning, as a parent, taking care of the little one as a team. It was great timing for me and also very important. 
at the end, that's what matters. That's life. That's real life. To be a team there for our baby was great for me. The happiness, it's crazy. The happiness, the love. I can be a little bit tired or unhappy with what I'm doing because I want it to be perfect. But as soon as I see my daughter, everything vanishes. It's a great feeling. It's been a long time. I won't lie, I missed being on the tour playing, competing, challenging myself. Now I just have the feeling of love with the fans. Actually, Indian Wells is great because you have fans very close on the practice court. You can feel the energy. That definitely was exciting for me the few days I came here. I felt great, and I felt lucky and blessed that I, that I could actually get back in shape to experience that again. Now, some quotes from Monfils about Svitolina. Quote, She's right there. She's obviously very motivated to come back. It was actually crazy because she just gave birth, and obviously she was super happy, but she really wants to get back very quickly in good shape. She wants to feel that she can play again. She was worried because she hadn't played for a long time. She picked up the racket quite good. It was great. Now she's practicing. She's loving it. She's starting to move a little bit more because at the beginning she couldn't move so much. But now it's better and I think she has some goals. So I think she will soon say what she wants to do and when she wants to come back. Unquote. Monfils has goals of his own one of which is to improve his ATP ranking enough to qualify for the 2024 Paris Olympics. Quote, It's funny because it was the first time away. It's been five days exactly. Now she started to recognize me a little bit. It's quite special, so I hope I will have a win under my belt and have the first FaceTime with her. Unquote. Unfortunately, that did not happen, but... Good to, good to hear that Monfils is content in his personal life. That match where Jordan Thompson got the victory 6-3-6-1 was the first night match on the center court. The second night match was Kalinskaya versus Alicia Parks. Alicia Parks is a 22-year-old American who has come from complete obscurity in the last couple of weeks to win a tournament in France in February, indoors. And largely because of that victory, Parks is now ranked number 55 in the world. And she got, that's a pretty high ranking for somebody who has as thin a resume as she has. And unfortunately, she was not able to bring her best stuff today, only mustering two games against Anna Kalinskaya. And then those were the first, or I'm sorry, there were night matches after that as well on the outer courts. And the one that just finished here with Bublik losing to T. Wu. I'm going to go over that more in just a moment. There are two Wu's in the draw, and the one that beat Bublik, that was his first ever ATP main draw match win at any tour level level. Nice to get it in a Masters 1000. And the gentleman that was doing the on-court interview had that stat there. It wasn't a riveting day of matches. Oh, I have to talk about the net thing 
oh yeah, I didn't have that up here. Well, I'm, I'm, I might pull that up at the end. Okay, but um, topic three was Alicia Parks. Topic four was Bublik. That means we're going on to topic five, a score read for today. Today, Wednesday, March 8th, Round uh, first round action. First of all, I would like to read all the names of the players that have buys. 64 players that have buys in the men's and women's draws. The following female players have buys. This is in draw order. Shviantek, Andrescu, Lynette, Haddad, Maya, Samsonova, Keys, Fernandez, Garcia, Jabor, Buskova, Trevisan, Azarenka, Rabakina, Bedosa, Martic, Kasatkina, Sakari, Kalanina, Pliskova, Kudermatova, Kvitova, Ostapenko, Potapova, Pegula, Goff, Anasimova, Zhang, Bencic, Krachikova, Alexandrova, Vekic, and Sabalenka. So none of those players are playing today or tomorrow in the first round. The men's players that have buys are the following. Alcaraz, Greekspor, Evans, Corrado, Busta, Herkac, Paul, Sarundalo, Ajay, Aliasim, Fritz, Baez, Chorich, Damonar, Sinner, Musetti, Kekmanovic, Rune, Medvedev, Vandezant, Shulp, Bautista, Agut, Zverev, Kachanov, Davidovic, Fokina, Nishioka, Rude, Rublev, Shapovalov, Berrettini, Nori, Tiafo, Dimitrov, Kresi, Sitsipas. So half the draw is 64, 64 out of 128. Math, is that 25%? 64 out of 128. No, that's half the draw. Half the draw is not playing in the first round. It can really create a feeling of being spread out. And it it dilutes the product. These early days that are going to be more of a feature this year are not necessarily the most exciting days. There's not really anything else to add in terms of deep dives or anything notable that happened today. So that means we can just move on to the score read. WTA scores from today. Teichman beat Kruger, 6-1-6-4. Kalinskaya beat Parks, 6-1-6-1. This was an entertaining night match at the end. Mandelik served for the match at 6-5-30 love against Risk. Amitraj didn't get it done, but came back to win it in the breaker. Mandelik beats Risk Amitraj 6-3-5-7-7-6. Peterson beat Kostiak 7-5-5-7-7-5. Serenko beat Zhu 6-4-6-3. Georgie beat Roos 6-3-6-3. Rogers beat Volonets 6-4-4-6-6-1. Wong beat Danilovich, 4-6-6-2-6-3. Let me look up which one that was. Ziyu Wong, X-I-Y-U Wong. Um, Linda Favitova ate a bagel but beat Sharif Lovesick, 6-2-6-3. Zinyu Wong beat Mertens, 6-3-6-1. Buxa beat Swan 7-6-7-5. Yastremska beat Bondar 6-3-6-4. Rodina beat Cornet 6-2-7-5. Noskova beat Begu 7-6-6-1. Blinkova beat Lee 6-1-6-2. Sasnovich beat Kanepi 6-3-7-6. On the men's side today, 
Pedro Kachin beat Basilashvili 7-5-6-3. Daniel beat Carbeas Beina 6-1-7-5. Garen beat Galan 6-4-6-2. Giran beat Kovacevic 6-3-7-5. Umber beat Zapata Morales 6-2-7-6. Ivashka beat Safulian, Sef- Sefulin, 6-4-6-2. Kubler beat Sonigo, 6-4-7-6. Yuri Lehechka got a good win against Arthur Rindernick, 7-6-7-5. Lehechka's good. Brandon Nakashima mercifully defeated former finalist John Isner, 7-6-6-3. Isner beat Prime Djokovic once upon a time at this tournament. You guys remember that? I think it was 2012. Saturday day match. Served him off the court. Anyway. Atta beat Jerry 6-3-7-5. Rusevori beat Lesien 6-4-4-1 retired. Schwartzman beat Correa 6-1-6-2. Tabio beat Maximilian Martyrer 6-4-6-3. Thompson over Monfils 3-1. Yibeng Wu beat Munar 6776 or sorry 6766 love 76 and Tung Lin Wu beat Alexander Bublik 6464 Those are your scores for today. Moving on to topic 6. Uh, we'll save topic 6 in a minute. Topic 5A. Let's talk about that call. Let me, I'm, I didn't prep this, so I'm going to have to go on YouTube and get this here. The Moonar call. And who's he playing? He was playing Wu. Let me see if that's on here. There was a hindrance call or something that wasn't uh, above board. Drama and entertainment. Let's listen. YouTube TV has no hidden fees oh, and hey, includes unlimited Yay. DVR space. Let's mute that. Okay, let's see here. Oh, another commercial. Three more seconds. All right. Skip. It was this one. Nothing. Almost ready here. Okay, so this is match point. Better volleys than that will be. This is 6-3 in a final set tiebreak. He's serving for the win here. At 6-3. This got play on Twitter today, so let's listen. For the next 12 days. This is outrageous. Okay, so Wu gets the drop shot to bring Munar in. Munar is running to come get it. Tennis. And uh, Wu was at the net. He, uh, I'm sorry, Munar got to the drop shot, put up a slow, uh, slow slice shot right in Wu's uh, strike zone. And Wu was at the net, and he took care of it for an easy winner. But to win the match, but let's rewind. Let's check this out. When Wu hit the shot, he started rolling on the ground. 
and let's look at it again. Drop shot. No! So the 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 issue at question here, Munar. I'm sorry. Woo, woo hit the net, which means you lose the point. But if you hit the net after the ball bounces twice, the point is already over, so it doesn't matter at that point if you hit the net. So if Wu hits the net before the second bounce, he would lose the point by rule. If Wu hits the net after the second bounce, he would win the point and therefore the match. All right, let me look at this. Clo let me look at it again. Yeah, he he clearly hits the net. I mean, I I can see that at regular speed. Let's just just check it one more time. No! Yeah, he he definitely hit the net before the second bounce, and the umpire Arlie Tort missed it and incorrectly awarded the point and the match to Wu. So that's a blown call that cost Munar a point there, and he was down three match points, but. Who knows? We've seen, we've seen bigger, bigger comebacks than that from six three and a breaker. Oh, what a way to win a match of tennis! Will you Bing take a bow? So Jamie Muna arguing that the racket touched the net before the point had been won, but Orly Tort is making the point that there's nothing that any technological intervention can do. That's just a judgment call from the umpire. And he needs to be careful here. I love that. Munar is still talking to the umpire and then Wu goes to acknowledge the crowd because he won. Well, Wu deserves the applause and the cheers and he deserves his moment of victory. Everyone's been saying this for literally 10 years, all the way back to a 2013 Juan Martin Del Potro thing, maybe against Raonic, maybe that was back in Canada back then. But people have been talking about this forever. You need to be able to challenge incidentals in tennis. Incidentals meaning stuff that's not in or out, using a video review system. Uh, let's... Foot faults, not ups, you know, double bounces, uh, touching the net. It's clear as day on a comp on a video replay that the TV that the television producers have immediately. Why can't we stop and have an umpire look at it? The official rule here is the umpire's live action eyeballs ruling is the one that stands. The umpire cannot change the call after they've made the call, and the tournament referee cannot overrule that. So 
I mean, and there's no reason that it's like that besides the fact that that's the way it's always been done and we can't change it. So, what should be able to be happening here, the umpire should be able to look at a replay on the tablet that they have in the umpire's chair. If you guys have noticed, in the last couple of years, the umpires, they input the score electronically now into a tablet that's in the umpire's chair. And sometimes you can see a little camera shot. The umpire will have a tablet that says clear as day on the whole tablet, 30-15, and they hit a button, and then it goes to 30-all. How come this tablet can't be used for video replay? Because it's not being used for that right now. It's stupid. Tennis, 10 to 15 years ago, tennis led the way on video replay in sports with the challenge system. And in many ways, that is still a premier system, despite the flaws. The other sports have caught up. It might be slow, but the NFL has video review. The NBA has video review from C-Caucus. The baseball umpires do it. They put the headset on and they look at the little tiny camera that they got. Why isn't tennis doing this? The priority right now is respect obsolete tradition. What the priority should be is the integrity of the game and getting the call right. Topic 6, the Tuesday schedule. Thursday, March 9th, 2023, continued first round action, no seated players. Times here are going to be Pacific time. This is my one period. This is the 10 days a year where I'm doing Pacific time only. No Eastern time conversions. You guys have to convert it yourself this time. First up at 11, Collins, Stan Wawrinka, Jack Draper. Second match is up. Emma Raducanu versus Donka Kovinic. I think they played at the Australian Open. I think that was the first loss that Raducanu had at a major after she won the U.S. Open. I seem to remember being home during the shutdown period in January 2022, and I recall watching that match. Go check my Twitter account when I still posted. I posted something about Kovinic in that match, and it got a bunch of play from Montenegrin fans. Anyway, also second up, Ben Shelton versus Fabio Fanini. Interesting. Tanasi Kokonakis versus Brandon Holt. Also interesting. Third match is up. This will be in the middle of the afternoon, later in the afternoon, happy hour. Andy Murray versus Thomas Martin Echeverry. JJ Wolf versus Martin Fucevic. Night matches, 6 p.m. Sloane Stevens versus Sophia Kennan. Grand Slam winners. Also at 6, Dominic Team, former winner here, versus Adrian Manorino. Nightcap matches, Gregoire Barrere versus Jack Sock. Emma Navarro versus Katie McNally. Good matches there in the day session, more so in the day than during the night. Um, Coverage will be on the usual places from 11 a.m. Tennis Channel, Tennis Channel Plus, 
the associated apps, and Tennis TV. Topic 7. Today at the White House press briefing, the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, was asked about uh, the Djokovic-Miami Open situation. I don't know who the reporter is. I looked, and I didn't recognize him. And I checked the transcript, and it didn't say who he was. And I checked Twitter, and in a cursory Twitter search, I could not find this, this guy's name. So I cannot give you context on to what outlet he is from, because the outlet that these reporters are from definitely contextualizes their questions. For example, an MSNBC reporter is going to ask a different question than a Fox News reporter like Peter Ducey. Anyway, here is a clip of that exchange. Let's listen in. This is from earlier this afternoon. This uh, has now called on President Biden to allow uh, the tennis player Novak Djokovic to compete in the Miami Open despite him being unvaccinated for COVID-19. Uh, do you guys have a response to that? So on a question of regarding the vaccination requirement, I refer you to the CDC. They're the ones who, uh, who deal with that. It's still in place. Uh, and we expect everyone to abide by our country's rule, whether as a participant or a spectator. And uh, as for what goes on specifically with the BNP uh, open, those are those are questions for them. It is a private entity, and so we will uh, let them speak to that. But again, this is something that the CDC uh, speaks to. Okay. Thank you. All right. There was that exchange. Again, I feel that when tennis comes up in the White House press briefing, you got to cover it. And I... Uh, I enjoy excuses to uh, talk about politics, as some, as you guys know, that are friends of mine or the guys that know me. A couple things there. Number one, she incorrectly referred to the Miami Open as, quote, the BNP. And number one, if you're trying to talk about Indian Wells, Indian Wells is also not called the BNP. Nobody even casually calls it the BNP. Like, you know, the Firestone or whatever, like people call golf tournaments, the waste management. Two, she was attempting to refer to the Miami Open, which is the Miami Open presented by Itau, um, who are not sponsors of this podcast. BNP also does not sponsor this podcast. Hey, anyone out there, if you want to sponsor Trips Tennis Talk, hey, let me know. Give me some money. Next... Number one, she said, I'll refer you to the CDC, and I've been listening to these press briefings for over 10 years, and when they use the word refer, that's a polite way of saying, please shut up and don't ask me this. Uh, Two, she said, she basically said, uh, you know, I'll direct, I'll I'll refer you to the tournament for what they're going to do, and, um, you know, just a little fact check, uh... The the Miami Open does not set the vaccination policy for the United States. The uh, Biden world sets the vaccination policy for the United States. It feels kind of amazing to say the sentence, you know, as a fact clarification, fact check, to say that the Miami Open does not set national vaccine policy. But um, that is uh, how poorly that question was handled. And, um, you know, I've been listening to these briefings for over 10 years, like I said. 
and uh, there have been many better press secretaries than uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. All right, and um, that was topic seven. That was the final topic on my sheet. So there's the first pod, one down, and hopefully several more to go. Again, these podcasts are recorded with the intention of you listening to them the next morning, especially with the timing of this. For my East Coast friends, the tennis doesn't begin until 2, and even on the West Coast here, you have until 11 to listen to these pods. So, greetings, good morning from the past, good morning from the uh, uh, recent past of last night. Anyway, that's all I got for today, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. We'll see you later. This podcast was courtesy of the good people at Argon Productions.